So uh, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles now to Matthew chapter 28. Now, while you guys are turning there, um, I just, I love the way the Lord works because, you know, you guys know we go verse by verse through the Bible. It's called expositional teaching. And so I don't sit there and set up a whole bunch of messages, you know, in in advance and say, okay, this is where we're going to be and this is what we're going to do. We just, we plow through the word. We just, we go verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. And I don't want it to miss your attention that, you know, today, which, you know, most of you know, is the one-year anniversary of Trinity's passing, is also the day that we come to Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. And Matthew chapter 28 is an awesome section of scripture because it happens to be basically what our whole faith is founded on, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? This is an incredible thing. It's like, you know, really in the end, it's like, you you could try to manufacture something like this, but gosh, isn't it so much more beautiful when it happens on its own, when it's God's timing, when God is the one who orchestrates it and brings us to this place in this time. So uh, I'm really uh, blessed to, to be teaching this this morning. And um, before I really dig into the text, I want to just take a moment and um, I, I want to address what the absolute main thrust of this text is. Because as we go through it, and I mostly am not going to be giving Bible interpretation. As a pastor and as a Bible teacher, that's one of the things that I must do. It's one of my roles. I have to go through and take the scriptures and interpret them, make them, you know, understandable. You know, just like place them before you so you guys can take them and make it part of your life. But in today's text, it's mostly a narrative. There's not a lot of Bible interpretation that is necessary. There's not a lot of um, theology that I need to explain or or, or bring before you. But what I can offer you mostly today is perspective, right? As a pastor, as as a follower of Jesus Christ, looking at the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and not only that, especially on this day, right? As someone who has, you know, lost is the wrong word, but been separated from somebody who he loves very dearly can come and maybe bring you more, maybe a little bit closer to the mind of the disciples, to these ladies who are going to be coming to the tomb uh, this morning. I can share that perspective, but before I get into that perspective, I I do want to cover there is one Bible interpretation that is absolutely necessary, it's absolutely crucial, and it is the most important thing of this, all of this text, It is that Jesus Christ bodily died on the cross, he was physically buried in a tomb, and now on the third day, he is physically rising from the dead. Okay, that is so important. So many people try to make this go a lot of different ways. If you talk to, whether they be Mormons or Jehovah's Witness or, or many other groups out there, they say all sorts of stuff like, oh, you know what? Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He was really just a spirit. He, he, wasn't, he didn't physically die because, you know, yeah, that just doesn't work in our theology. We don't like that. Or, you know, Jesus didn't really die on the cross because, you know, he was a man and he was God, but see, he didn't really die. He just swooned. That means he fainted on the cross. And then they took him off the cross and they put him in the tomb, you know, after he had been beaten, lost most of his blood and, you know, hanging on a cross all day. You know, they throw him in a tomb, cold tomb, by the way, with a big rock in front of it with no water, no medical attention. And he revived, got strong enough to push the stone out of the way and left and got and married, you know, Mary Magdalene. Like some people think that and some people teach that, but that is not the truth. That is not what the Bible says. It is not what the scriptures teach. The, the reality is that Jesus, the son of God, fully God and fully man, hung upon a cross and died for our sins. He was placed in a tomb. 
And there he lay for three days and three nights. And that's important, three days and three nights. People who try to put uh, him going into the tomb on Friday somehow bend this. He could not have gone into the tomb on Friday. We're not going to get into that. If you have questions for it afterwards, come and talk to me. I'd be happy to go over it with you. But he was in the tomb for three days and three nights, as was declared in the scriptures. And then on this morning, on the third morning, he arose. Physically, bodily, people touched him. They saw him. He ate with them. Right? This is so crucial. We cannot allow this. And you might say, oh, is that an essential doctrine, Pastor? Come on. We, we, no, no, no. This is as essential as it gets. Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have no faith. Right? There is nothing. This is the foundation of our faith. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, before I get into anything about, you know, perspective and, and losing somebody in the darkness and the dawn and all that kind of stuff before we get into hope and all of these things i, I want to because you know i don't know how i'm going to do on this study i'm going to do my best to keep it together but i, I want to just state this right now jesus rose from the dead amen if you don't get anything else out of this service remember that one thing you take this with you jesus rose from the dead so with that being said, let's go ahead and uh, turn our eyes to chapter 28. We're going to begin at verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through verse 17 this morning. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this, this word, Lord. It is so powerful and so precious to us, Lord. It, it, it is our faith. Lord, you did as you said you would. You are who you said you were. You are God. You are our Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would take these things, Lord, that you would... Just pour out your spirit upon us now, Lord. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would speak to this church this morning. Guide us, we pray, Lord, and 
But Lord, I just pray that you would not allow us to leave here the same as when we came. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much, so dearly, for being a friend. With all of our hearts, we praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Now, after the Sabbath, verse 1, it said, as the first day of the week began to dawn. And, you know, I couldn't help it. Was anybody here, uh, anybody awake this morning at dawn? Did anybody get to see that glorious, beautiful sunrise? Right? There's something that is so special about the dawn. It, you know, I've actually heard Heidi talk about it. She, you know, there's been scientific studies that the most traumatic time in a person's life, or in, even in animals and things like that, they get, the most stress happens just before the sun sets, right? As the coming of darkness comes. But at the same time, there is something so invigorating and beautiful and peaceful when you see when the darkness begins to give way to the light when the, when that dark dark like black and purple begins to break away and you start to see the, the lighter purples and the blues and and then the teals and then the oranges and the pinks and everything begins to to shine right there, there's something that is so freeing about it and this morning as i was praying and just like looking out the window and just seeing like this glorious dawn coming i, I couldn't help but but to smile and to thank the Lord for it. When we look at the disciples last week, right, where did we leave them? We left the disciples. Hope had died. Right? Jesus, the one that they had been looking to, the one whom they had been walking after, following after. They had become his disciples. They had left everything. Many of them left their families. Many of them left their finances, their jobs, and things like that. They had followed him because they had said, Behold, we have found the Messiah. Right? We have found the Messiah. Could anything good come from Nazareth? Yes, just come and see. Right? But then, last week, hope had died. Right? The one who they believed. Remember they are all, all the time the, the, the disciples were arguing, who's going to be the greatest in his kingdom? Can we sit at your left? Can we sit at your right? Mommy had asked, right? You know, can, can, can we do this? You know, all of their hope, all of their vision, everything that they could see, everything that they could imagine was tied to Jesus. And last week, hope died. Right? Last week, the, 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 the tomb held the remains, held the remains of all of their love, all of their joy, all of their life, everything who they had was placed in that tomb. Everything that they loved and held dear, everything that meant anything to them at all was placed in a cold, dark tomb, right? That's where we left them, and then night had fallen, right? The darkness came, but today, today is not that day. Today, uh, I, I'm going to quote uh, the Apostle Paul here from Romans 13, verse 12, it says, Night is far spent, the day is at hand. Right? Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. See, the, the, the darkness, it does come. And the night, it did fall. And the pain and the sorrow, it did fill their hearts. And their hope, it did die. But you know what? The day is coming. The night is far spent. Dawn is at hand and hope is about to rise again. Right? That, that is the beauty of this text that we are seeing this morning. Now, usually when a pastor, um, or at least me, when I, if I do quote somebody, I usually quote maybe a theologian, somebody that you guys have heard of. But, you know, I, I am going to quote somebody that you've heard of, somebody that you actually know really, really, really well. But he's not a theologian, maybe a little bit. But it's Chris Tomlin. 
And um, he was interviewed, um, this was a while back, and, and, and they're asking him about his music, about his worship. And, and this is what he was saying about worship. He said, hope is the theme of worship itself. Right? Hope is the theme of worship. If Jesus died on the cross and was left in the tomb, would we have reason, would we have cause to worship? No. No, we wouldn't. We would have cause to mourn. Like when anybody else in our lives dies, if they don't know Jesus, or if we don't know Jesus and we don't have that hope, then is there cause to, to rejoice, to worship, to praise God? The answer is no. But he goes on and says that mourning is such a symbol of hope. It is a new day. A light has come and pierced the darkness. Though you're in a dark time of life, the morning is coming. Isn't that a great quote? Right? And he is a songsmith. He is a man, you know, he makes his living on taking the truths of the scriptures and turning them into worship. And so um, this is something that we all need to understand because we all find dark times. We all find ourselves maybe, maybe literally like these people, like, like the disciples, like the ladies as they're coming to the tomb, right, in darkness where hope had died and they had nothing left. They had nothing to hold on to. They had nothing really to live for anymore. It's just like, well, what do I do now? But, you know, you always have to remember that hope is coming. Though the night has fallen, the day is at hand. In Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22, it says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Right? Therefore, I hope in him. See, with the dawn comes hope. With dawn comes his mercies, which are new for us every single day. And how many of you praise God for that fact? Right, that it wasn't just, oh, you know what, the, the Lord saved me. He washed all my sins when I gave my heart to Jesus, and now I've got to live perfectly for the rest of my life. Man, that would be a bummer because heaven would be empty. Right? Heaven would be empty. But because we have this hope that every single morning, every single morning, the blood of Christ is there. His grace is upon us. And we can stand and rejoice and praise the Lord every single morning, come what may. We can rejoice and thank God. We can say, the Lord is my portion. And we can say, therefore, I hope in him. It continues on and says that, that as the first day of the week began to dawn, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, those of you who have lost somebody, Maybe, maybe there's a gravestone. Maybe you have an urn. Maybe you have like a little bit of ash, you know, put in a picture frame or something like that. But, you know, so, so you probably would understand this closely. You know, I, I, but me as a Bible teacher, as a Bible expositor, I, I had to ask the question, right? So why did the ladies come to the tomb? They know he's dead, right? They know he's dead. It's been three days. It's been three nights. You know, why are they coming to the tomb? I'm sorry, but it wasn't faith that brought them there that morning right they weren't coming to see the risen lord they were like okay we're gonna get the front row seats you guys ready easter sunrise service here it comes ah. right that's not what they were doing right that is not what they were doing so so why did they come they came to anoint his body with spices right as, as you look at all the gospels right that's why they came 
right? They, they, they came in the same way that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, remember they took the body and they put it in the, in the new tomb and they wrapped spices and all that stuff around him. These ladies, they were doing that very same thing. They're coming to give an offering to the Lord just to say you know, really what this is like. Um, how many of you guys have been to a funeral where they actually you know, bury the casket in the ground, right? Just before they, they lower the casket into the ground, what do they do usually? They take roses and things like that and they throw it down. Right? One of the most memorable funerals that I did was um, when this lady, Bernadine, she was burying her husband of, I think it was 80 years they had been married. 80 years. And everything that that rose represented, I always call it Bernadine's rose, right? It's 80 years of life and love and laughter and pain and sorrow. Her heart was laid in one symbol upon that casket as it went down. Okay, that is what this is. Right, this is the, the rose on the casket. This is Bernadine's rose. This is one last goodbye before the finality of their separation is complete. Right, that is what this moment is. That's why they're going. The, the, this, this thing that they are trying to do, it, it's their saying that my love goes with you. Part of my heart has died with you and I will never forget that, that, that's what they're doing. They're, they're coming. And, and really, when you bring it all together, it's that they, were, they came to remember. Right? They came to remember what they had lost. Right? That's why they were there. Right? When you go and you visit a tombstone of, of a loved one, why are you there? Do you go there and think about your laundry list and all the busy things that you have for the day? Is that why you're there? No, you're there to remember what you had lost, to, to remember the person who went before you. And if I would take a guess, I, I, I would conject that these women, as they walked to that tomb that morning, they were spending time remembering, probably quiet, but they were probably trying to remember in their mind the sound of his voice. They were probably trying to remember how he laughed. They were probably trying to remember his smile and, and his face and the way it looked. Right? They're, they're trying to recall all the memories of all the things where he had touched their lives. Right? Some of them from pretty dire places. And yet that's what they did. When I stood in the emergency room of a dear friend of ours, um, when, when their son had passed away, William, at 19 months, right? I walked in the door 20 minutes after he was declared dead, and they said, why did this happen? Right? That's a tough question to be asked in that moment, isn't it? But they said, why did this happen? And, you know, there's no answer. Don't ever, if everybody, anybody ever asks you that, if I or Heidi or, or my girls ask you that, why did Trinity die? That's a trap. Okay, don't answer it. There is no answer. Just say, I don't know. And you know what I did with them? I sobbed with them. I cried with them. And then I watched them as they came and they held their son. And they, and they, they were petting his hair and they were rubbing his feet. They were smelling him because they, were, they knew that they were going to leave that night never to see their son again. And so they are trying to hold on to him. They are trying to, to, to establish those memories into their mind. Right? They are trying to lock them in there. They are trying to recapture the, the vitality of his once potent life before it faded into a dream. Right? Because memories are like that. You know, you know, I can see Trinity's face. I can still hear her laugh. But it's not the same as when you hear her voice. Right? I, can watch, I can look at pictures, I can watch videos, but they're not the same as when I'd come home and she'd run and jump onto me. 
right? That's what these ladies are doing. That is the darkness. That's the despair that they're in as they're approaching the tomb. It's not faith that brought them there that morning. It's their sadness. And rightfully so. They came to remember. But the problem with coming and visiting a tomb is that a tomb is cold and dark and full of death. There is no life in a tomb. You come looking for the past and a little piece of the life that used to be, but you find only the harsh reality that is told by cold, hard stone. No trinket, no monument, no memory wrapped up in a picture or a piece of clothing or a gift that they had once given you can bring back what you've lost. And those of you who have lost somebody close to you, maybe it's a father, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a child, when you come to those places, right, and you search for that life in that place, there is no life. Right? It, it can't make up, it can't replace what you have lost, what has gone before you. But go we must, huh? There's just something about our human nature. It's like we, we can't stand it. We have to go there. Right? I can't tell you how many times you know, I've poured over you know, videos from the past of Trinity, pictures and things like that along the way. We have to go there. But there's no life there. There's no life there. So they came to the tomb, and here's the cool thing, though. In that dark moment, in their sorrow and in their grief, behold, there was a great earthquake. And I love this because when Jesus died, there was a great earthquake, wasn't there? It was the thing, you know, the darkness had settled, and then Jesus, after the darkness lifts, he, he cries out, you know, you know God, my, my Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he, let, he gave up the ghost. He, he let go of his spirit and he died. And as he died, the, 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 the veil that was between the holy place and the most holy place was torn in two from top to bottom. And then it said there was a great earthquake. Right? It's just getting everybody's attention. Right? Just so you know. And here they are. They're coming on this third day, not in faith, but in sorrow. And here they come and they stand before the tomb. And then guess what? kaboom time to wake up guys and sometimes the lord has to shake us out of things doesn't he sometimes our sorrow can grip us our fear our frustration sometimes the, the circumstances that we find ourselves in can, can just like just completely render us down to nothing where there is no faith left there is no hope that has survived and you know sometimes god has to shake things up a bit and and he does that here a great earthquake came why because an angel of the lord descended from heaven Right, an angel of the Lord descended. And here's the thing. Although the Lord does sometimes allow darkness to come into our life, this is the cool thing because you know, none of us are immune to that, right? You guys know that, right? None of us are immune to it. Even me, who never had a bad day, right? Even darkness can come into my life as well, for sure. But here's the cool thing. That God is always faithful to send his messengers to comfort us and to remind us of the hope that we have in him. Right here they come in their sorrow and in their despair. They approach the tomb expecting to see, you know, this, they're hoping like, and you know, it's just like that. There's the faith that they had. Maybe somebody will, there'll be somebody there that can roll away the stone. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Roman guard. Can you please roll the stone away for a second? Yeah, right. Right. Not going to happen, but you know what? They came anyway. But see, the Lord does that for us. Right? He sends his angels, he sends his messengers to speak in our times of sorrow, in our times of darkness. And so he sent this angel to these women. Right? And there's many ways and many times that, that the Lord has comforted me. You know, I've shared it with you guys before, but you know, that, that day in the hospital when Trinity had, you know, she had just gotten out of the surgery for the, um, for the biopsy. 
and you know, she was super weak, and she was just, you know, you know, Trinity, and you guys know Trinity, you know, those of you who are WG or people here, like, you know, she had a loud voice, didn't she? Right, she had a loud voice, and she would run through the hallways screaming, ah! and she's like, Trinity, chill out, girl, but, you know, on that night, she didn't have that voice. She had this little mousy, squeaky voice, and that was all she had, right? And, and, and as I was sitting there as her father and seeing my, my once so powerful and vibrant daughter rendered to such weakness, right, I started freaking out. I started really freaking out, more so than any of you have ever seen me freak out. And I was literally, I, I felt like I was standing on the edge like this, and I, my sanity was here, and losing it was here, and I was about to fall. That's where I was on that night. And then it was the most tangible ex- expression of the Holy Spirit that I've ever felt. And God came, and it literally felt like somebody wrapped their arms around me and just started squeezing me. He says, no, I'm not going to let you go there. I'm not going to let you go there. And he stayed me, and he pulled me back from that edge. You know, and then it was later. And, you know, the cancer treatment was well on its way. And, you know, I'd seen something like some movie and it had some sad ending that reminded me of what we were going through. And I, after the movie was over, I got up and I walked out into the backyard and I went out there with the full expectation that I was going to throw myself into a depression. I wanted to be, I said, you know, I've never been depressed. All these other people get to be, get to be depressed. They've all talked about it. It's my turn. I'm going to be depressed. I went out there with the sole purpose of making myself depressed. And so I walked around the backyard just trying to think of all of the things that I was going to lose. And I was, th- I was literally just trying to stack them on there. And it's like, and I remember it again. It's like, you know, God just came right there in that moment, in that darkness. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to let you go there. And for every single thing that I tried to place on my heart to burden it down, it's like the Holy Spirit just kept taking it off. I'll, I'll, I'll take that too, right? He sent his messengers. And in a thousand different ways that I can't mention here, you know, people like you, you know, sent little texts, said, you know, just coming alongside and saying, you know what? We're praying for you today. You know, we love you guys. Every time I'd open my Bible and for my devotion, God would be there and he'd be speaking. And people said, did you write down those texts? It's like, no, it'd be like writing down the Bible. It's like every time I opened the Bible, it's like there it was. It's like God was speaking. It was fresh and it was new every single morning. See, he sent his angel to comfort me in the darkness. He sent his angel to comfort my wife in the darkness and our children. Right? He sends his angels. And here's the thing. See, the Lord knew that he was going to take Trin. But he also knew that I had to keep hoping, right? And it was a common theme through, like, I don't know where all those hope verses came from. Because, you know, like, you know, again, my, my devotions, I just go verse by verse through the Bible also. So I figure it works for church, works for home, right? And, and it's like, I didn't realize there's so many hope verses. And I go back and look for them. It's like, where were those hope verses? And I can't find them. It's like, but the Lord knew. See, his word is living and alive. And see, he knew, but he knew that I had to keep hoping. Because when hope dies, despair is born. And despair is to turn your back on God. See, we are to mourn, and it is okay to mourn, and it's good to mourn. But see, we can't mourn like non-believers. We're not allowed to mourn like people who have no hope. See, we have hope. And so God would not allow me to lose hope. And I can't tell you how many times I said it to Heidi, and Heidi was probably getting frustrated at me. It's like, you know, it's like, no, we got to keep hoping. We got to keep hoping. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter. And it's like, you know, it's kind of funny because in, the, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? God can, can, can heal her. And sometimes even that hope can become exhausting, right? It can become a burden. But you know what? 
I had to keep hoping because I could not despair. God could not allow me to despair because he knew despair is death. Despair is death and it's darkness. And he would not let me go there because he loved us too much. He wouldn't let my wife go there and he didn't let my children go there. Right? That is the hope. Right? That is the hope. So this angel of heaven, he, he descended and then he came and he rolled back the stone from the door and he sat on it. And you know what? I don't know about you guys, but I love this part. I really, really like this part. Right, so here's this angel, right, shining like the sun. His face is like lightning. I don't know if you've ever looked at lightning, but it's really bright, right? Especially in the darkness. This is like morning. The dawn is just starting, right? But like this lightning goes. If you guys didn't know, here's another fun fact. Lightning is hotter than the surface of the sun. Cool, huh? Right? But like, so here is this angel descending down in power. Now, remember, angels have come many times in Scripture. And sometimes they come in, in just a meek form where they just look like people. You know, other times it's like, ma, and people fall down as dead. This is one of those times. Right, the angel isn't coming down, just like walking down the road. Hey, how's it going, guys? Right, no, it's like he is coming from heaven. He's descending, and light is shining. It's it's almost as though he's like, you know what? The sun's not coming up fast enough. Let's like get this party on. Boom! And here comes the light. Right, you guys need to understand that light has come. The sun, it's too slow. I'm going to shed a little light on this situation right now. Right, and then so he comes down and he takes this door and he throws it away, and it's a great door. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Israel or if you've ever seen pictures of the tombs in Israel. That There's one that we saw on the road, right? We were driving along and the, and the tour guide goes, oh, by the way, there's a door of a tomb, like the one that would close in Jesus. And it was, this, it was probably like six to seven feet in diameter. And it's probably about a foot and a half thick, right? This thing would weigh over a ton, right? This huge, thick door, right? And this great door that stood between them and Jesus, And I don't know about you, but I look at this door as the very symbol of death itself and the power to separate us from those we love, right? That is what this door is. And guess what? This door was cast aside like some kid's play toy, right? And just to show, see, the angel literally reaches into the jaws of death and rips open its mouth. That's what this door is, right? It just takes the mouth of death and just goes, boom, and rips it open, okay? I don't know if you've ever had a dog or something like that, and they're biting on something that you don't want them to eat. What do you do? You reach in there, and you grab it, and you just open their mouth. They're like, ah, ah. And you pull it out, right? That's what's going on here. Get the, get the imagery, see it, right? You know, death itself has been defeated. And this angel who is sent by God has the authority of heaven comes and he takes that mouth and just goes, not today. And he opens it up and he casts it aside, right? And, and to show how complete his victory was, the angel of the Lord sits victoriously on top of it as he begins to dress the ladies, right? Oh, death, <laughs> off it goes. Let's have a seat on it. Now, ladies, let's talk. Right? How awesome is that? See, I love the imagery of that. Right? So he rolls back the stone from the door. He sits on it, and his countenance, it's like lightning. His clothing is white as snow. And, and here you go, the guards, they shake for fear of him, and they became like dead men. Now, ladies, I don't know if you guys watch this kind of stuff, but guys, I, I know you can track with me. National Geographic, all these things where you see like the lion going after the antelope and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever noticed that when the lion catches, or the lioness catches the antelope, what happens? Usually they're really tired, right? And so do they just like immediately devour the antelope? No, they grab it and then they stop. And I've actually seen several times where the antelope, where it's like the lion catches it and it stops. And then the antelope, it still has an opportunity. It could get away because the lion stops, but it doesn't have it yet. And the antelope just stops and it drops to its knees and it just lays down. And it just sits there panting. And then the lion kind of meanders over to it and grabs it. 
I don't know what that is, but the antelope in its mind is like, you know what? It's over. I'm done. I'm dead. I'm lying chow tonight. Right? And, but they just stop. They, they, they stop resisting. They stop struggling. And that's exactly what happened to these big, powerful Roman soldiers. And I can't, I can't help but to wonder, were some of these men the ones who were in the praetorium beating Christ, mocking him, putting the crown of thorns on him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews? Were some of these men those men? Could be. But you know what? As this angel of the Lord descends down there, rips open the mouth of death, and sits victoriously on top of his spoils, these brave soldiers fall down like that little antelope and just go, I'm dead. I'm dead. Those of you who know my dog, Koa, right? I can't pet her without her rolling over like this. Because like, in the end, she just knows like, you know, any day he may eat me. Right? That, that's because, you know, because she used to bite Chloe all the time, and I can't blame her for that. But, but you can't bite my kid. Right, you can't you can't bite my kid. So we had many altercations, and so that dog, she she walks, she's excited. Her her tail's wagging, but she runs up and then she just falls down. Like, don't eat me, right? That's these men. I'm just trying to give you good pictures in your mind for these Roman soldiers, right? But the angel answered and said to the one, he, he doesn't, he just ignores them. He's not talking to them. He's not there about them. He goes, he goes, you just sit down, sir, right? You just sit down. I'm talking to these ladies right now. And so the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. And I want to pause there for a moment because this is important too. Who are they seeking? Jesus who was crucified. See, he knew that they came to the tomb expecting to find a dead man. Remember, we already discovered, we already talked about this. They didn't come because of their faith. Right? They're expecting to find a dead man. See, they weren't coming to see uh, to seek Jesus of Nazareth. They weren't even coming to seek Jesus, the Son of God. But they are coming to seek Jesus who is crucified. See, they were looking for the wrong Jesus. And so the angel, the messenger of God, is setting them straight now. See, their grief had blinded them from the words that Jesus had spoken to them. Right? Jesus literally said, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. But they weren't there for that. They weren't there for the... Like I said, they weren't there for an Easter sunrise service. Right? They were there to find Jesus who had been crucified. And so the angel addresses this. So, you know, other angels later in this event say, you know, they, they literally ask the ladies in Luke 24, 5, they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? And, you know, I, I, as I was looking upon this, I had to say, you know what, amen. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Right, because the same is true of our loved ones who go on before us, right? How many times do we do that, right? We, we often search for them among the dead in home videos, in pictures, in urns, but they're not there. They're not there. And you know what? Those videos, those pictures, those urns, those are, those are fine. Those are good. And it's okay to look upon them and remember. But when we look upon them as though, oh, this is my kid, this is my child, and some people will talk to them. Some people will, will go and, and as they're, like, they're speaking to them. And it's like, you know what? You're looking for the living among the dead. They're not there. They're not there. But here's the thing. Where are they? Well, this angel, what he's going to d- declare to them, Jesus is risen. Right, He is not there. Why do you search for the living among the dead? He is risen. And those who die in him are risen with him. See, that is the hope of the resurrection. Right, that, That's what gets us through the day. That's what allows us to wake up with joy in our hearts. You can see me still smiling. Right, When I, I did an article for Calvary Magazine, it's the second one, and I did another one about you know, you know, ministering to people during grief, and, and they asked me to send them a headshot. So I said, okay. So I sent them, a, you know, I looked for a headshot that had a light background because that's what they asked for. I sent it to them 
And it was like the next day or the day after, I got an email from one of the editors saying, um, I don't know how to say this, but can you send us a picture that's less happy? They said, you know, we feel that it might be jarring to some of our readers for the context of the article, and you're too smiley. And, and, and you know, we know that, that there's joy in the Lord and all that, but do you have anything that's a little less exuberant? And I'm like, I don't think so. I actually, I don't think I do. You know, Heidi and I literally, I, I looked through all of our photos, and I literally, I had to have Heidi take me outside here and take new headshots of me, where I was like, I, I, it's not the greatest picture, but it's like, it's all I could do. It's like, I don't have a smile. That's not, it's either like zero to 60. You know, it's like, that's it. But you know, it's like, this is the joy. This is why I can smile. This is why you can still see my molars on a daily basis. It's because Jesus is risen and those who died in him are not dead. Right? They have risen. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Death is a conquered foe. Right? It is a lion who has been declawed, and not only that, its teeth were shattered as it bit down on the, co- the cross of Calvary. Amen? Right? That is what we have. That is what this day represents. That is what the dawn, every time you, that you wake up early enough to see the, the sunrise, remember Christ, remember this day, the day that death was defeated. Right? The, the day that hope had risen from the dead. Right? This is a glorious day. This is a glorious truth. But don't seek the living among the dead. Because he is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see where the, pl- the, the place where the Lord lay. And you know what? I've been there. And you know what? It's empty. It's empty. He is not there. I've put my hand upon it. And like, yep, he ain't there. But now listen, he says... And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you so. Right? So now, see, these women, they they have been given this great truth. They came in their sorrow, and now their eyes have been opened to the light. And it's like, oh my goodness, he is alive. He is awake. And we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be sorrowful anymore. It is a time of celebration. Right? Jesus' words came true in John 14, 3. He said that if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Right? That, that's something that he says just before he ascends into heaven. But, it, you know, hey, it's totally fitting right here. Right? He said he was going to be crucified, but on the third day he was going to rise again. This is the promise we have. These women now understand this truth. They know it. And so now the angel sends them out on a mission. Right? He, because the rest of his disciples are still in darkness. The rest of his disciples are still mourning without hope. Death has died. Hope has died. Right? Peter's still beating, him up, beating himself up saying, how could I deny him? How could I do it? And like replaying that again and again in his mind over and over and over again. I denied my Lord. I denied my Lord. I denied my Lord. And so the angel sends them and says, go tell the disciples. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. See, and guys, I want to stand here this morning, and, and I want to preach comfort to you. 
I want to encourage you because though my daughter was taken from me, and yet still God came and he spoke and he ministered and I have joy and I can rejoice and I laugh and I laugh heartily. Why? Because he is not here. He is risen. And so they went quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Notice that, joy. Right? They came with sorrow. They left with joy. Right? That is what the cross does. That is what the resurrection does. We come with all of our sorrow. We come with all of our pain. And we leave with joy and life and freedom. And so they ran to to bring this news to the disciples. And then in verse 9 it says, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! Right? Rejoice! That is the first words. Right? The very first word of his resurrection was Mary. Right? Now to these women, here they are, they're they're running back, they're excited, they're full of joy, a little bit of fear. They're like, wow, did this really happen? What's going on? And then Jesus appears to them, and his very first words to them, and his words to us this morning are rejoice, right? Be exceedingly glad, right? Dance down the street, skip. Be excited, smile from ear to ear. Let your joy overflow. Why? Because he is risen. And so he calls to them. He says, rejoice. Though death had separated us for a time, we are together now. We are together now. It says, so they came and they held him. See, bodily resurrection. He's not a spirit. He's not a vapor. He's not Casper. Right? He is here in his flesh, and they come and they touch him, and they fall at his feet, it says, and they, they, they hold him by his feet, and it says that they worship him. Guys, when was the last time we really worshiped the Lord? And I'm not just talking singing songs. And it's like, you know, we're, we're spoiled, spoiled here at OCCF. We have really a very talented group of musicians that really love the Lord, and, and they sing from their heart, and they are worshiping not just singing but so often we can we can become callous to it we can forget you know the 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 awe and the wonder of the resurrection of jesus christ can can just become like it can start to get dust on it right It, it it can be like something like a trinket that was so valuable to us and oh we love it so much and we set it aside it's like oh yeah it's there and we see it every day oh it's there oh yeah yeah it's there but then you know it starts to get dust on it and and we start to think about it less and less but you know what? When you see the Lord Jesus Christ, I guarantee, I absolutely guarantee, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, there's Jesus. Where's Paul? Right? You're not going to do that. You're going to run up to Jesus, and you're going to do a couple of different things. You're either going to run up and jump and grab onto him like a little kid and hug around, him, hug around his neck and hold onto him and refuse to let go, or you're going to fall down before his feet and worship him, or you're just going to pass out right there boom, and you're going to be down, right? You are going to be worshiping him. You're going to be falling at his feet, and you're going to be crying, thanking him so much, and praising him, because now you get to hold him. Now you get to see him. Now you get to touch him, right? These are the things, and these women, they did this. They fell down at his feet, and they worshiped him. And then I love what he says now. It says, in verse 10, it says, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. That's the same thing the angel said. And then he says, go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. That also the angel said. And he says, and there they will see me. The angel said that too. 
right? So what Jesus is doing, I think these ladies, they're running out there and they're kind of getting excited. They're like, what do I do? What do I do? And they're, they're like, things are getting mixed up. Like the marbles are starting to get shaken in their head. And they, they're just kind of losing it. You've ever been in one of those moments where it's like, you know, everything is exciting or maybe terrifying. And the thing that you're supposed to do is like, you just like, everything's getting scrambled, right? You got eggs in your brain, right? They're just like, they're scrambled, right? And so Jesus is like, okay, the angel wasn't enough. So he comes now and he himself says rejoice. And he allows them to hold him and to worship him. And then he says, okay, now go tell my disciples. They need to know this. They need to know that I am risen. And also go tell them I'm going before them to Galilee. And I will meet them there and they will see me. Right? This is a beautiful moment. But you know, with with every beautiful moment, there's also a a, a little bit of darkness that, that always tries to creep in, doesn't it? And so we have it here as well. Verse 11. It says, now while they were uh, going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. I can't help but to get kind of like that little schoolboy grin on my face. Wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall in that meeting? Right? So here they were, you know, you know remember their accusations against Jesus? Do you remember what they had said? He saved others. Himself he cannot save. So, okay, he saved people. Right? Um, not only that, but, you know, he trusted in God. Oh, he had faith in God. Okay. And then finally, it's like, you know, if God wants him, let God bring him down from the cross. If God will have him, right? That, that was their accusation. They, they knew there was nothing wrong with them. They, they, they knew that he was, you know, the son of God, or at least, you know, he did all these miracles. He did everything that the Messiah was supposed to do, right? But they, they had deceived themselves. They had convinced themselves that their jobs, their positions were more important than, than the truth of the scriptures. And so they, they, they justify that, oh, you know, it's for the good of the people. It's better that one man die instead of the whole nation being robbed of us, right? And so they justify it, and so they murder him, and there he is hanging on the cross, and then, oops, guess what happens? A little darkness falls on the earth, like real darkness. Not, not rain clouds, not thunder, not lightning, but darkness, like in the days of Egypt when Moses uh, laid that plague upon Egypt, and darkness was felt, it was so thick, right? So darkness fell, and they're kind of going, oh, maybe we should rethink this. Uh, maybe think a little fear started like grasping their hearts as they're standing at the foot of the cross mocking Christ. And then in that moment, the light starts to come back on and Jesus says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Right? And, and, and he starts crying out and they're just like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And, and, and I think for a moment they might have actually believed, is he going to come down from the cross right now? Right? Because they were filled with fear. And I, I bet for one moment they're like, oh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And the last thing they expected happened. He breathed his last and he died. And then also it's like, that was a near miss. Right? Start, start churning again. Start churning. Hey, we've got to cover our tracks. You know, this guy, you know, the, the whole tearing, the, the, the earthquake and all that kind of stuff. So they start covering their tracks again. Go to Pilate. Set the guard. Set the seal. Right? And then can you imagine with all that? And, and they know their conscience. They know what they did. And then all of a sudden these guards who they set. Because remember Pilate said, make it as secure as you can. And they did. And all of a sudden, these guards who they had secured the tomb with come up to them and say, uh, well, we were standing guard, and then right about dawn, this angel came down from heaven. Yeah, it was like lightning. Yeah. And yeah, we, we just like fell down and were like laying there dead. And he told the, the he threw the, the tombstone, yeah, by himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he threw it down, and, and he told the people that uh, Jesus was risen. Can you imagine those chief priests? Can you imagine what they would be? They'd be like, 
uh, uh, wait here. <laughs> Can you imagine that meeting? Like, I, I would have loved to have been there. But you know what? Never estimate yes, a wicked person trying to cover their wickedness. Right, And so they, they, they fabricate a story, and, and they give lots of money and say, hey, you know, just, just tell this story, tell this story, and off they go. Right? But you know what? They knew. They knew what they did. They knew their guilt. Well, let's leave them now for a moment and move on to more glorious tidings. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped him. See, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty and the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That though they had been separated from their Lord, though they had been parted by death, that great equalizer of all people, doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, whether you be a slave or free, whether you be a king or a pauper, death comes to us all doesn't it? It rips everything away from us because we can take nothing with us. We came into this world empty and we're leaving empty too, right? And, and, and death can come, but you know what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of the resurrected life, the hope of the gospel destroys the power of death and he will see us face to face. There will come a day. Guys, do you imagine it? Do, do you fantasize about that day? Do you think upon it? when you wake or maybe before you go to bed, like one day I am going to see my Jesus. Do you wake up and say, today may be the day because there will come a day when you will stand before him. And it doesn't matter if you're an atheist, whether you're an agnostic, whether you be anything else, every single man, woman and child who draws breath this morning will one day stand before the Lord. And for some, it will be a homecoming and for some, it will be a prison sentence and terror and judgment. But we have this hope. One day, we are going to see Jesus. One day, we are going to touch him. One day, we're going to look into those eyes that founded the universe. Right? One day. To see the risen Lord is to understand the heart of worship. If you've ever struggled with worship, if you've ever struggled to get past just singing songs, this is where the heart of worship is found in the empty tomb. Right? This is where our hope come from, comes from. This is why we can smile. This is why we can rejoice. So today, let us celebrate. Let us be full of joy and wonder and worship our Lord and our God without doubting. It says some doubted. Right? We know of Thomas. Right? We call him Doubting Tom. But you know what? I'm sure there were others. He was the one that that you know, the scriptures point out, but it says some. But you know, let us not doubt. Whatever you are going through, whatever is in your life, whatever darkness may have settled, whatever shadow may be covering you up, don't doubt. Don't let go of that hope. Look to the Lord. Remember his resurrection. Remember the empty tomb and you will have joy. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that you did have the power to lay down your life, Lord, and the power to, to raise it up again. Lord, we thank you that you didn't step down from that cross, Lord, though they taunted you. But Lord, you proved your lordship and you proved your love that you stayed on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so purely. 
we rejoice in you, Lord, and we find our joy and our worth in you. So, Lord, we glorify you now and magnify your name. Amen.